This week on the Product Agility Podcast, we find ourselves in Lisbon, Portugal at the Productize 2023 conference, where attendees will get to hear talks from Melissa Perry, Tammy Reese, Leah Theron and Radhika Dutt, to name but four of the amazing speakers. We are here to do our talks in 10, and they're the best way for you to get the inside track and behind-the-scenes insights on the talks and workshops from the conferences that we partner with, so you don't miss a beat. If you're at the conference, come and find us. We're hard to miss with our podcast t-shirts. If you're not, then just enjoy these talks in 10. And who knows, maybe we'll see you at Productize 24. Today's episode of the Product Agility Podcast comes with a special gift in association with Aha Slides, your go-to engagement tool for fun, engaging and effective learning and workshop experiences. Whether I am teaching the criticality of a clear and compelling product vision or facilitating a product strategy workshop, Aha Slides always makes it a more elevating and effective experience through its polls, quizzes and brainstorming tools. Discover how Aha Slides can elevate both your in-person or remote experiences by visiting Aha Slides and use the code AHAXPROD, which is also in the show notes, for a whopping 50% off of an annual subscription. Lunch is now finished at Product Class 23. Mm -hmm. Did you have any lunch, Melissa? I did have some lunch. I got to eat this time. Yeah. What did you you eat? I had a baguette with some meat on it. I had a little beetroot salad that was nice with quinoa. And then I had half a bagel with some lox and cream cheese on it. I had the baguette. Yeah. Very nice. I liked I it. It yeah, was good. Really good. Yeah, yeah. Very tasty. So hopefully, now we find out what we've got in common, it's going to really set us up for this conversation. Yes. Because <laughs> he's deaf like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, baguettes. Baguettes. <laughs> yes. And bagels. The bagel wasn't as good as in New York, though. No. No. Oh, I, I mean, I, I don't hold that against anybody because you'll never get a bagel that's as good as New York. I said, I, one day, I'll eat a bagel in New York. I went to New York once, but it was briefly on Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Halloween's a strange time to be in the city. Yeah, it's just the end of the parade. Anyway, we should yeah. talk about it. We hope productized. It's after lunch, as we've absolutely ascertained. <laughs> and we have the one and only Melissa Perry, author of two books now, or more. Two books. Two books. Self-published? The first one is with O'Reilly. The second one's self-published. Self-published. Yeah. Fantastic. I was talking to David Pereira mm-hmm. about this topic yep. at, at length the other night over dinner. So yeah, we'll talk more about the, uh, the books in a second. You're here at Productized giving one of the, I suppose, one of the main talks mm-hmm. of the day in the auditorium. The title of your talk is? Beyond the Build Trap. And what will you be talking about, Melissa? It's going to be building off of what I've learned since I wrote Escaping the Build Trap and what I've seen really be the biggest issues in product management organizations, any organization really since then, and diving deep into product strategy and product operations. So those are the two big issues that I see in organizations. So it's like once once you learn the skills, right, you know, you've train up all your product managers, you teach them that they got to do prototyping and you teach them that they have to be experimental and you teach them that they have to concentrate on the problem and understand their users and use data to make good decisions. Why don't organizations become product-led after mm-hmm. just that? So really it comes down to they're, they don't understand how to build great product strategy. And then they're also lacking product operations that enables all those product managers that you just trained to go do their jobs well. So for the people that aren't perhaps familiar with product operations, it's that we had Patricia Cadet actually on yesterday and Annabella's coming on later on today and obviously they won an award, didn't they, mm-hmm. for their work in product ops. I know it's a, it's an interesting topic. I would love to hear you uh, and for, for our listeners to surmise, what, when we say product ops, what are we 
talking about practically here? Yeah. So product operations is the enablement function to help scale the value of product management in your organization. So what it's doing is it's helping product managers do their jobs better. And the way that we explain it in the book is that there's kind of three pillars that you want to look at to make sure they are active in your organization to help people achieve good product management. And one is data and insights. So it's making sure that we get the right data and insights into the hands of both leaders, but also product managers so that they can go make strategy decisions. So it's really hard to make a strategy decision if you don't know where you currently are, right? If you don't know how much, let's say, revenue per uh, customer persona you yeah. have, right? Or how things are trending over time or what's the usage data by different type of product type and what types of people are using those. So we usually have a lot of information just locked up in our systems and you have to, as a product manager, a lot of times go like learn SQL to query it or ask the developers and then wait like 20 days to get a report back. And by then it's, it's irrelevant, right? Like we've moved on. We have other fish to fry. So with product operations, that whole goal of that first pillar is how do we get that data into the hands of leaders, but also into the hands of product managers in real time so that they can make those decisions. And then once they do make a strategy decision, how do we go back and monitor it? So how are we tracking progress towards our OKRs and our success metrics and doing it on a repeatable basis? Basis. So that's like one pillar. The other piece is about getting more qualitative insights, and that's from your customers and market research. So this is not about doing the work of user research, it's about streamlining it. So how do we get in touch with our customers better? How do we make sure that if somebody's going out there and doing a bunch of user research, it actually makes its way back to the rest of the product teams? How do we get qualitative information from sales out of their systems and back into the product manager's hands? This is more about like, how do we create the infrastructure to share good qualitative insights around the organization, make it easier to go talk to customers, make it easier and faster to get that information into the hands of decision makers, which are product managers. And then the last piece is about governance and practices. So that piece is more about looking at how do we scale the things that are beneficial to doing good product management. So this is where people get into like little wars about product management, I mean, product operations, because sometimes they see them only doing this and they think it's like overload on process. I, I don't see it that way. What I see it as is what's just enough process to help people become more efficient in what they're doing. So for example, like if you're a product manager working at a company and you've got, let's say, 50 other product managers, do you have them all make their own roadmap templates? Do you have them make their own like reporting systems to share across the entire organization with sales? Like sometimes that's just really inefficient to have everybody roll their own. And it's fine when you're small, like you're still figuring it out. But when you scale, you don't want people wasting their time on trying to figure out and like have debates about what's the right format to report this in. You want them to do their job, which is making hard product decisions, talking to customers, solving problems, right? So that's about how do we make sure that we are communicating well internally what types of artifacts should we actually standardize to make people's jobs easier? And then also things that touch other parts of the organization, like sales or marketing or you know leadership. How are they receiving the information? Do they know where to go to receive the information? And is it something where they'll understand what's going on? So that helps us just run better. You can think of it almost like our our product operating model too, where we define like how sales and product are going to work together, how marketing and product are going to work together. Where do they fit in? Where can they bring ideas? How do we go through ideas? And and telling them a little bit more about how we work and standardizing it. And to me, there's not one way to do that. Each company needs to come up with their way to do it. And we have suggestions in our book 
about what you should think about standardizing, but it really is what you need, right? Like it's about solving a problem. And I believe you should approach product operations the same way that you approach product management. Like what's the problem that we're trying to solve here? Having been in a number of organizations where the the work Mm -hmm. you explained, particularly the last pillar, that's very recognizable work for people. And uh, a conversation for another day, perhaps, is I kind of want it, feel, it feels very analogous to when DevOps mm-hmm. first became a thing. Yep. You know, and it was like there was always that DevOps work. Yeah. And then it became a DevOps function. Mm-hmm. As Humble saying that if I found it really ironic. Yeah. That, but they never meant it to be another function. And then it became another function. And DevOps is incredibly valuable mm-hmm. to people, you know, and, and for the way that agile teams work and en- engineering, getting things out, can't say that not having those super streamlined, super effective. Uh, telemetry uh, ways to get things out isn't anything but incredibly valuable to the bigger picture so then you've got this idea of this product ops work and product ops teams and on that last pillar Mm. this is where i see i've personally experienced lots of anguish and pain in organizations because the people that are then given the responsibility for doing some of that thing suffer from a credibility gap oh yes because they because they haven't because they are effectively giving the product Mm -hmm. people Product people is a terrible phrase there. Product mm-hmm. managers, other people who are doing user research, making the strategies, et cetera, they're giving them just extra shit to do. Yeah. And they're not in a position of having done the job and it can seem as this burden. So have you got any thoughts on how people can overcome that credibility gap? Yeah. Well, there, there's a couple of things I think you, you pointed out. For us in the book, what we say too is like, this is not a radically new idea. Like the things I just covered, we've been talking about for a while, right? And there are people usually in organizations doing pieces of this work already. And the idea is that if somebody is doing it though off the side of their desk and that's not their main job, usually it doesn't get done, right? So you have to ask yourself, like, is it okay the way we're doing it currently? Does it work for us? Or do we need more dedicated help? And that's when you can consider actually making this a function where you'd hire somebody to go, you know, to go do it. And it's not going to be the same person to do each three of those, each of those pillars. So that's something too. So you need somebody who's more data minded to do the data and insights piece, right? They have to be good at getting things into BI tools and understanding data and do modeling and stuff like that. So uh, customer research, you're looking for somebody with more of a UX research background, um, but somebody who can streamline flows and think through systems of how do we set this up. So there's actually like a lot of people doing that inside research ops teams. There's not a ton of research ops teams out there, but I'm like, don't replace the research ops team. If you have that, great. If you don't, consider consider doing that, please. Um, and then the last one, you know, we get into that credibility gap. What happens a lot is that we delegate this last piece of the puzzle to agile coaches who have never done product management. Which doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any yeah. sense, right? And and some people go, isn't that the leader's job to like standardize the roadmaps, do that? And I'm like, yes, right, is to have a thought on it. Do you really need the leaders to go in and choose which roadmapping tool we're going to be using, set that tool up, make sure all the teams know how to put in things at different parts of the roadmap, like then go look for these other tools, then go streamline. Like that's a lot of work. And typically if you're hiring a product leader, you're hiring them to do good strategic work, right? A little bit of operational. So they should be the ones who are going to say, this is the philosophy and this is the values and this is how we do work here. Now, please go find me the right systems to put in place. But usually you need somebody to help you execute on that. And that that's the piece. But that person needs to have a good product background. So we never suggest just having an agile coach or somebody for that role. It's more somebody who's been a product manager, makes perfect sense to have there. But somebody who might be a little more systems oriented, right? Thinking about like streamlining stuff for product managers. So like you're the product manager for product managers. 
That's an interesting thing, isn't it? You say it isn't of a leader's product leader's responsibility mm-hmm. to define the standards, but if you're one of thirty, one of forty, one of fifty, yeah. one of one of five to mm-hmm. ten, there's, there's a broader systemic thing here. If you're across multiple product lines, just being that one person. Actually, are you in the best position to really understand that system? Yes. So having someone whose mind is more oriented towards those systems is interesting. Now, the, the last piece of the puzzle for me then is when you, and I spoke to Amir Kaplan, who Tammy introduced me yeah. actually from Sonara Health, oh. not on the podcast, but offline, because one of my clients was asking me about this. And they really struggle getting product, working with sales, working with marketing, and actually getting stuff to market. Yes. And there's yeah. a huge coordination, synchronization mm-hmm. effort required in that, which yeah, it falls into the realm of delivery, kind of project management, but understanding how it all comes together. Yep. It's not to take responsibility away from product to do, but all the different things you mentioned across all the pillars, yes. they're, they're career choices. These aren't the kind of things as a product, if you're a product leader, mm-hmm. uh, but I, you know, I love project management as well. Yeah. And actually I really want to get involved in talking about these dependencies and synchronizing mm-hmm. it all. These are career choices. So yeah. when it comes to that, that higher level coordination is that the third pillar as well? Yes, exactly. So, like one of those pieces inside there that we talk about is the go to market piece, yeah. and that that's the piece that usually falls apart yeah. because we look at what do we do as product managers, but we never look at how do we work with the other places around it. So, what happens in these big, especially big organizations, smaller organizations, you're usually working together at least till a point, and then you scale, and that's when these things become a problem. But especially in large organizations, we tend to silo each other by functions, right? We're like this is product and I shall only look at product processes. This is development. I shall only look at development processes. This is marketing. I only do that. And you're like, but if you really want to be product led, that means that we all have to combine around the product to make the product a great, valuable experience for our customers. And you're not going to get that if you just function like silo yourselves by function. So product ops helps bridge those gaps as well. So it says, how do we streamline go to market? So like, if we're going to launch this, what what's the cadence of launches, right? From a perspective of who needs to be involved? When do we start meeting with people? How do the teams work together? What kind of artifacts do we produce so everybody's on the same page about what's going to be in the, in the launch? Where does that live? Where can I go back and actually find out about things I launched last year that might not be doing so well? And I want to understand like what the logic was behind there, those types of things. So I do see it bridging a lot of those gaps between cross-functional teams and helping to make them a little bit more cross-functional. But again, like if you're a product, a VP of product, let's say in a bank and you've got 80 people reporting into you, do you really need to be the one who goes out there and defines every single meeting for the go-to-market strategy. No, you got to be like, we have no go-to-market strategy. And you got to pull in the VP of marketing and say like, hey, this is a problem. Here's the gaps that we're seeing. This is how we've done it before. Let me get somebody in here to help us. You bring somebody in too, and let's design what our yeah. go-to-market strategy looks like from a not, not from a strategic perspective, but from just a process perspective. Yeah, and then you deploy it to the rest of the people and they follow it. And then you don't have to worry about that again. But it's it's one of those things where it's not meant to be overbearing. It's just meant to solve a lot of those gaps, right? Help, help get products out to customers faster. And if you don't do it, mm-hmm. probably gonna be more painful yeah. than if you did. Exactly. Melissa, thank you so much. Our yeah. time is up. It's been awesome to get to sit opposite you and have this conversation. So yeah, thank you very much for making the time. Um, of course, you've got your, your book out. Yes. So like I say, if people want to find out more, yeah. I says, what is the most convenient way for them to uh, find out more about you? Yep. So if they go to productoperations.com, we have a link on there on where you can buy the book. It's currently available on Amazon. We are working to get it available elsewhere as well. We just got to wait for it all to propagate. But if you go to productoperations.com, we'll have a list of all the places you could buy it from. Fantastic. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on. And everyone, thank you for listening. Thanks for having me.